Footy and Frothies, September 8th, 2021, round 25 review. It is finest time. Spring is here. It's in the air and all that sort of shit. And we're going to talk some footy. So uh, joined, by, as always, by Barney Boy up top and uh, Oliver from Rugby League, in my opinion, down below, at least on my Zoom screen, uh, if for all those <laughs> listening at home and completely baffled by that. Uh, what's happening, Barney? <laughs> yeah, that could paint a really bad image, to mm. be honest. Mm, what a sandwich, that is. <laughs> oh, yeah, as you mentioned, mate, finals time's always a good time of the year. I've got this weird feeling I haven't had for about seven years coming into this weekend, so... Uh, God damn it. Oh. oh. The Sharks missed out for the first time in seven years or whatever it is. It feels like every other year to me. What are you talking about? It's just September. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we'll get to that game and we'll touch a bit more on there. So what the plan is, I'll get to you in a sec, Ollie. You're champing a bit. Uh, what the plan is, is um, obviously with less games to go through and waffle on about the next few weeks, we're going to look back on... Four teams every week, so next week we'll uh, analyse and really put the the uh, fine tooth comb through the Canterbury Bulldogs, and then the three teams above them, and just have a quick touch on how they either exceeded or, in their their case, uh, didn't live up to expectations or perhaps matched them, as well as where they might go in the uh, the time ahead. Beyond that, we'll look at uh, we've obviously got Dag Ems coming up. We've got plenty more to discuss. And we've got some bold predictions about six weeks away too, which is always a fun time. Now, Ollie, champion at the bit, first time in what, six years? The Titans uh, have... Five years. Five years. The Titans yeah, five have years. made finals <laughs> footy. Uh, how was the roller coaster of emotion that you refused to join us for live and chat about watching them put the sword to the Warriors? And how do you feel heading into finals time for the, uh, the only person on the show that actually gets to be excited about it? <laughs> no, well, um, as the ball kicked off, my boss messaged me from work to write a few articles and that actually did dampen the, the excitement a bit because I, I sort of had to write and look up as I was going and I had my dad talking to me about the game at the same time and I was trying to watch, but then I got right, the second half really got right into it. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I was nervous until there were five minutes to go. I thought, okay, somehow, somehow the Warriors, uh, I knew for probably the entire second half that the Titans were going to win, but I thought somehow the Warriors will make it by less than 12 points. They'll do, they'll, they'll, they'll get a, a few tries in at the end. And um, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for the Titans, the likes of uh, Jazz Tavanga, uh, Matt Lodge and Kane Evans ensured that was not going to happen. So a big thank you to those guys for that. Um, but I might as well. I might as well get my peanut of the week out of the way early, shall I? I'm going to peanut everyone who did not tip the Titans to make the finals this week, because I'll be honest, I was close to doing it myself. So <laughs> uh, I'm nearly in that there. But yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic, um, especially as well because I think uh, there were a lot of people out there who didn't think it would happen. But I, I sort of stuck to my guns um, with my tips, and to be honest, they were still they were a little bit biased because I really wanted it to happen, and it did. So I, I guess also it makes me look a little bit smarter than I really am, which is always a good thing. Uh, we would you say? Well, we might, we will save the sort of season by season stuff for, for down the road and also uh, team by team, I should say. And also as we get into the match analysis and just say where where they all finished up and, and uh, what we think about that. So I won't go too deep into that just yet. A uh, bit of news for the week. No other news from the general life. Anything else we need to worry about? The listeners should be across. 
No, not really. I mean, the Titans have made the finals, so that's okay. pretty much it. I'll write that down. Uh, <laughs> and nothing from you, Barn? No, mate. No, another week in lockdown. Yep. Groundhog Day. Uh, Suncorp Stadium gets the NRL Grand Final for the first time. Is the first time it's been played outside of Sydney ever, which at 52,000 capacity is a great thing, I suppose, and an optimistic thing for league to look forward to. I assume they'll sell it out pretty easily. And I assume there'll be plenty of Queenslanders. Uh, we know one good friend of the show will probably be making a pilgrimage there to watch his beloved Panthers play action. Uh, but... We, yeah, great news, I suppose. At least it's down pat and it's something we can all want to seem to worry about, I suppose. Ollie? Yeah, I, I think it's a good thing, not only just because of the pandemic and the, the size of the stadium that uh, we're getting a grand final at Suncorp. It is very likely that it will never happen again unless, fingers crossed, we are we're in the same situation next year uh, because I believe it was either early 2020 or late 2019, the NRL signed an agreement with the New South Wales government to actually keep the grand final in Sydney for 26 years. And because this year the grand final was not played in Sydney, um, that gets moved back a year. So it'd now be 20 for the next 25 years from 2022 onwards, the grand final is going to be played in Sydney. So we might as well get a grand final in Brisbane. Now uh, there are talks now that, Oh, great we might get a rotating grand final from now on. Well, one, we won't get it because of this agreement. But two, um, people who like to complain and say, well, why isn't it played here, here? Why isn't it rotating? Uh, I asked them this. What's the capacity of Suncorp Stadium and what's the capacity of ANZ Stadium? ANZ Stadium's got 30,000 extra seats that they do fill out every year for a grand final. So that comes down to it. Hopefully one day, maybe at the end of this 26 years, uh, Suncorp will get an extension or uh, a stadium in Queensland will... Uh, be built that's 80,000 plus and we could maybe have a, a few more grand finals in Brisbane down the line but for now this is the one that we're getting for a while so I hope the guys up there enjoy it and they definitely deserve it. Any thoughts Pine? Oh yeah they've, they've done plenty for the game obviously with um, with COVID and uh, being able to get uh, crowds into the grounds and that, I think obviously that's a, the major major reason for them to take the grand final there. And, um, yeah, as Ollie said, I hope they enjoy it because it may not happen again in um, in a few lifetimes for, for a few different people. Um, it should be a really good a really good game. Generally, it's pretty uh, pretty good track up there. So um, it leads to good footy generally in Queensland and um, should be nice and warm up there around that time as well. So I'm hoping for a nice, fast, dry track and we get to see some really exciting footy in the, in the grand final. Yeah, by that stage, you're probably looking at a 25, 26-degree... 7.30 game uh, come October, but we'll see how that all pans out. The other news out of Queensland is Paul Green has parted ways with the Queensland Origin side. We are expressing the thought that he wants to return to NRL coaching. I don't know if you can read between the lines that I believe his name was mentioned at the West Tigers. Uh, so whether you can put two and two together, I'm not sure yet. We'll see how that pans out, but he wants to go back to clubland. And uh, I think given the way he was spoken about for all bar that last game, he probably just didn't want to deal with the shit again. So, uh, any thoughts on that, Barn? Yeah, he copped a fair bit of stick. Um, there was rumblings also that um, basically he was offered the job, but only if Mal didn't want it. So, <laughs> that's sort of a bit of a slap in the face to begin with, isn't it, really? Um, and as you mentioned, the amount of crap he copped during the last series... Um, and from and towards the back end of when he was at North Queensland, it, it probably wouldn't hurt him to for a change to move down to Sydney and pick up a club team down here and see how he goes with that. But 
Well, really, there'll be a few coming up in the next 12, 18 months. So. Yeah, well, if he, if he's not going back to Townsville, realistically, what are you looking at? Tigers, Dragons, uh, potentially, we'll see how Canterbury fare, and uh, it may be Newcastle, I suppose. But they made the finals. Ollie? Yeah, I agree with Barney. Um, I think a change of scenery could be good for Paul Green if he was to coach a team here in New South Wales. And also, we've said it time and time again, I think all three of us on different occasions have... Uh, reinforce this that origin coaching is completely different to nrl coaching they might as well call it a mentor or something like that or a um, a leader so to speak because you're not actually really coaching and for an nrl coach to go into that origin setup sometimes they can overdo things right and overcoach, and that can have a negative impact on the player so a return to nrl coaching is probably where paul green's best suited um, neil, neil henry's still there as the assistant coach he's been there forever hasn't he yeah, I believe so. I think him and Jonathan Thurston were the two yeah. assistants at Queensland, which I think Thurston's one of the rumoured uh, people to be taking over. And, and that's the thing. For a Queenslander or New South Wales, you really do sort of want those state legends who aren't necessarily great coaches, but, again, great mentors, play, people who have been there as players and done well to be there as that mentor or that coach. So a Billy Slater, a Jonathan Thurston or a Cameron Smith uh, – would be a good coach, I say tentatively, because obviously they've never coached before at any level. Um, so we, we don't really know. But, yeah, i would more be going for one of those guys for the next Queensland coach. And for Paul Green, I'm willing to give him another chance in the NRL. <laughs> I think the case for him at the Cowboys was more uh, both parties have sort of outstayed their welcome with each other. It was beneficial for both parties to part ways. So that's what happened there. And I still think Paul Green could have a future in the NRL as a coach. But again, he's been out for a couple of years. We'll have to see how he goes first. Nothing to add there, Barn? Yeah, it's pretty fair, I think. Um, obviously, looking, trying to read the tea leaves going forward to next year. Wayne's without a job next year. So don't be surprised if you see him as a figurehead with one of the young guys that haven't haven't coached, as Ollie mentioned, coming in to be his right-hand man. The for, one... For a series, and then they can kick on after that. So. The one you mentioned that they could go because his role's apparently been drastically reduced uh, as Australian coach is they might go and I say to Mal, hey, look, we'll give you your full-time gig back and you might brush Australia and come back. I uh, hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it, but it seems Billy Slater's the other one that seems to be popular. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll wait and see how it all plans out. Signing news. Uh, the major one, I suppose, is that, which I've said I suppose a lot, this week, <laughs> is that uh, Tarek Sims has been informed that he's not wanted at the Dragons. Slightly baffling for me, uh, but uh, he's now been linked to the Roosters already, who feel they can get him at a reasonable price, and obviously that's uh, <laughs> pretty good for both parties. <coughs> um, but if he does find somewhere in the meantime, they're happy to release him, is my understanding, so that'll play out, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. Uh, quickly, any thoughts on that, Barn? Yeah, makes no sense to me. Also, mate, um, you saw how well he went in in New South Wales colours. He's probably been one of their better players for the entire season. So I have no under, no understanding why they're trying to moving on moving on. Considering he's pretty sure he was a club junior and he's been there for a long time. So <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Nothing from you, Ollie. Oh well, did they accidentally text the wrong player? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it well. Tigers now have this $2.5 million war chest, apparently, so it wouldn't be the worst to go and try and get him for three years and uh, see out their career and 
give someone with a bit of starch. I know they definitely need it. He'll he fit be, into most 17s, I think, in the comp. Uh, so. Obviously, he'll be in high demand, I would suggest. Mm. He might end up at Penrith. Uh, suggestion today that Kikau was, is on the outer. He, they won't be able to afford him. Is the mail that's okay. come out late this afternoon, and they will all but be telling him as such after the finals are done. I think he's still got another year left there for now, but another one to play out there, uh, for better or worse. Jordan Pereira said that St. George Winger has gone to Brisbane for two years. Uh, the Tigers have confirmed BJ Leilua and Michael Cheekham have been released from the last year of the club option. Uh, Josh Cook has gone to the Bulldogs, reserve hooker for from the Bunnies. I don't, I don't think he's played first grade. He might have played one game. Uh, Braley has re-signed with Newcastle till 2025, which is, a, I suppose, a nice little confirmation for them. Tepe Maroa, who hasn't... Has he played a game for Melbourne this year? I think he's been on the bench once yeah. or twice. Uh, he's decided to your extension uh, there, so uh, good good on him. Curtis Sirenen has gone to St. Helens for two years, and I assume my handwriting says Hiroti, but I have no idea what that says, <laughs> has signed a one-year extension. Um, sharks, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's all the signing news, even at this time of year. And I'm assuming once we hit November, we might have plenty more to talk about. Uh, Injury-wise, the only major one this week in the immediate future is Josh Adokar missing this week's game mm-hmm. for Melbourne. Judiciary news, Reese Walsh, Matt Lodge both took a, will have the round one next year off. And Josh Maguire and Kane Evans will both be having the first five rounds of next year off. Um, <laughs> both might be looking for a job as well, so... We'll see what happens there. Although I think Josh McQuarrie is on a, a two or three year deal. But uh, anyway, uh, anything to add on any of that, gentlemen? Oh, those two deserve to miss the first five weeks of next year. They're just recidivist offenders, mate. They continually do the same stupid shit every couple of weeks and it's just, it adds up. So, Yep. And let's get to uh, any other news, boys, quickly before I charge into our reviews. Uh, the only thing I've really heard today is that there's a report from Fox Sports that Chanel Harris DeVita, uh, come November first, will opt to test his um, what's the word? Test his worth on the open market. And okay. personally, I think that's a fair move considering the reports that are coming out over the past month that in 2023 the Warriors want a, a spine of Reese Walsh at fullback, Joseph Manu at five eight. Sean Johnson at halfback and Dylan Brown at hooker, which is a bit of a head scratcher, but um, that that's the word I'm hearing. So if that's the case, I'd get out of dodge if I was um, Chanel Harris DeVita and um, test myself elsewhere. Where might he fit, Barn, and uh, what would he be worth? That's an interesting one, to be honest. Um, he's he's obviously shown that he. At, at different times during his career that he's, he's a pretty decent halfback and they are in demand, but I'm not sure he really forces anybody out of their position in, in most of the clubs running around. Yeah. So, he's, a, he's a bit of a trade. He'd probably sign more as a backup half yeah. at an, in another spot. Um, yeah, that's a strange one. I don't even, I don't think he'd even make 500 to be honest. I think you'd be looking more mid threes, four at the most, but he, he could end up one of those players could go to Super League for a couple of years, come back a better player. I guess that's an option for him if he wants to start every week. He's 22. Yeah, so, and, and we've got to remember too that Cody Nicarima and Sean O'Sullivan are both still at the club as well. So you've not exactly. only got that reported plan for the future mm-hmm. for the Warriors, you've also got a, a bit of a, 
uh, at least any of halves there as well. So at least, at least one of them's going to have to go. And it looks like Harris Devita might have been the one that's put his hand up and said he'll look elsewhere. Well, what the hell? How serious they are about chasing Dylan Brown because it opens a spot up at Parramatta. Which Does, yeah, could, could he go there? Five or eight, five yeah. eight? Could uh, Luke Brooks end up reuniting with Mitch Moses there as a six? True, yeah. Which actually, got... that's the first time I haven't thought about this, that could actually work. Him at a new club with not running where you've got the, com- the control freak in Mitch Moses and he just can sit out the back and be a running half. Uh, might actually yeah, work. definitely could work. Um, and then, as you mentioned, probably opens up a spot at the and Tigers. Then, yeah, Chanel, and Chanel and Hastings, Dewey. Maybe only see the Dragons and Dragons and probably the Dogs maybe in for his services. But other than that, I'm not sure. Well, the Dogs are probably... They might look at see if they can offload Flanagan already. They might be happy to have him <laughs> as a as a backup. Uh, I've got no doubt he'll get a job, but it's just an interesting one to where he actually fits. Maybe at a, maybe at a Cowboys... Can all speculate, but we don't know. Yeah, uh, no idea. Interesting to watch. Let's wrap up the season. As we said, spring is here, which is finals time. So eight teams are having a week off this week. Uh, one of which is Canberra, who decided yes. they weren't interested in playing anymore this year and decided basically not to turn up in a must-win game against the Roosters, where they got beaten forty to sixteen. Barn, what did the stats say? It turned up for about fifteen minutes. I think it was three tries to seven. Two out of three conversions played four out of seven. Two penalty goals out of two attempts for the Roosters. 59% completion from the Raiders, 72% for the Roosters. 20 out of 34 sets played 31 out of 43. 175-plus post-contact metres for the Roosters. Three line breaks to seven. 27 tackle busts to 41. Eight offloads to 10. One force dropout by the Roosters. Zero 40-20s. 375 tackles played 284. One ruck infringement for the Raiders, two inside the 10 for both teams, eight penalties conceded by Canberra, three by the Roosters. 15 errors to 11. Hodgson made 47 tackles. Butcher made 42. Tapani made 168 metres. And Teddy made 260. Tomoko missed five tackles and made 16. Crichton missed five and made 27. Uh, Kirigan with 114 supercoach points. Teddy with 108. And Drew Hutchinson with 99. The nearest Raider was Papali on 87. He probably had one of his better outings all year, actually. Uh, keep going, Barn. What do you make of the game? Oh, as I mentioned, the first 15, 20 minutes, it looked like the Raiders were actually up for the fight in this game, and um, I thought it was going to be a really good game after watching the first 10, 15 minutes or so. The next 15 minutes proved definitely that wasn't the case. Um, I didn't think there was much in that penalty try. I think it was more, more a reaction than the way that the guy sort of got knocked um, once... Chance came across. He just sort of turned his hip. Obviously, it was given, and fair enough, I guess. Maybe um, the Roosters, the Roosters were playing okay, but as soon as they saw the cracks on that right-hand defence from the Raiders with uh, Sammy Vellame and uh, Young Tomoko on that that edge, they just kept ramming home the advantage on that side and absolutely terrorised those two, which ended up getting Sammy switched from one side of the field to the other. And I don't think that even helped their cause. I think it just spread the, the problems even further across the field, to be honest, because yeah. now they had both sides to attack instead of just the one. Um, that's probably one of the worst games I think I've ever seen a player, an individual player play from Sammy Vellame. Um, five <laughs> errors. He didn't look like he could make a tackle. Um, he, he was running the ball okay, but yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty horrendous match. 
Um, the Raiders bench had absolutely no impact. The, this and their spine was average as well. The starting pack was okay, but as I mentioned, the bench had nothing. Um, the Roosters pack, uh, the Roosters, Roosters bench didn't really have much of an impact either. But their starting pack was really good. When your likes of Crichton and um, Tupanua, they were they were quite good. Um, and the front rowers did a job as well with Takiaho. Um, Papali'i was the Raiders' best, I thought, quite easily. Whitehead had a really good crack. It's funny listening to him talk to the referees. (laughs) Sometimes you can hear him clearly. The other times you just cannot understand what he's saying. But anyway, uh, Tapani and Whiten were were good. But um, other than that, there's not much to mention from the Raiders. The Roosters' best were Hutchinson. Again, he's um, in the last three or four weeks, he's really come to form since I gave him an absolute pull-through about a month ago. Um, Kerrigan, I think that's the best game he's ever played in his life. Um, he, he, he looked tremendous. He looked like an absolute star strike centre in this game. And um, Teddy and Egan Butcher were very good as well. As I mentioned, Crichton and Takiaho did their job. Um, other than the points, that's about all I've got out of this one. Yeah, no, it... Well, you've nailed it pretty well. The Canberra edges just completely fell apart. I don't know if it was the occasion or whether they're not. They just had a bad day. But to see a winger hooked, uh, well, we've seen it a couple of times lately. But it just had a complete shocker, and uh, the, yeah, the restructure didn't help at all. Chance was good again. Uh, maybe we maybe we not say underrated him, but maybe underappreciated him at times with him not there. Uh, Rappin' continued as good as he has been all year and uh, Papi had his best game. I think they're about the only ones you'd even talk about. Uh, Tarpane as well for Canberra. Uh, yeah, Kieran just had a day out uh, and I don't know mm-hmm. if that's... You don't know how whether to take that as just a lack of opposition, which maybe he did, but, you know, um, a couple of tries, he had his own footwork and he had still had work to do when he beat him. Uh, he had flies mm-hmm. on him, so he looks good. Teddy looked good. Crichton and Takiyahu look good. You mentioned too, but no, Takiyahu had his best game of the year. Uh, I think finally he's just over the niggles, whether they were ribs and shoulders and whatever else he's had, and he was fantastic. And uh, now they're going to get a bit more artillery back this week than now. You know, they've weathered the storm, and now they're a chance. If they can drag him a level, I don't think they necessarily have the strike power unless Teddy has a day out come grand final day or preliminary final day, but they um, definitely have a good enough team to worry probably everyone if they all turn up. Put it that way, Ollie. Yeah, just on Kieran, uh, just watching him play, he's, um, you can tell that he's traditionally a half because his positioning was really good. He wasn't afraid to come in field and get the ball. Um, and and that, that's what I really noticed because it's easy for a centre to get the ball three times and score a try, but he actually put in the effort and he went looking for the ball as well, which I noticed from him. Uh, one issue I guess I have with the game and again we don't like to bag on the refs but that captain's challenge from James Tedesco towards the end of the the game that turned out to be a non-challengeable offence so not only was it unsuccessful but the Roosters got to keep their challenge because it was unchallengeable I don't know how that ever gets to the stage where the bunker says has a look at it and then says it's an unchallengeable offence especially when and I know Teddy was complaining to the ref and I know he was saying that he did say he wanted to challenge the call but if a referee says to you, it's been 10 seconds, you can't challenge it, and then you go on to allow the captain to challenge it as well, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose after you've literally just said it? Yeah, wasn't the, the argument was so? I said challenge, he said something like well, I said challenge. He said it about 10 times yeah. before that, 10 seconds was And then he had to explain <laughs> that he couldn't actually challenge for that, and then I think he just went, all right, whatever. 
Just yeah, I shit. think that's what it was. I think the ref just <laughs> got sick of being challenged and just went, oh, well, do your best. You're going to get it wrong anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, did it offend me? No, but I, I enjoyed the... Well, it made me laugh, if nothing else. Uh, the ridiculous <laughs> ridiculousness of it all. Uh, yeah, the roof just... Yeah, sorry, I'll... No, that, that's all. Uh, a quick word from both of you. Yeah, how deep do the roosters go? Are they is five a fair representation, and if the top four have them covered, or can yeah, they... I think that's about where they'll finish. To be honest, I think um, at best they might knock one of those teams off, but they're going to have to be at their absolute best. I can see them getting through this week, and then it's going to be a struggle to get much further after that. I have to agree. If they were to go up against Manly, it's either Manly or Melbourne. If they were to go up against Manly, I'm still going to tip Manly, but I would be interesting to see how the Roosters fare in that the, the current Roosters side in a, that big game situation against a class side like Manly, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, three points Kieran, two points Takiyaho, one point Teddy or Crichton I had. Am I mad, Barney? I had Hutchinson with the three. I Sorry, thought he um, yeah. absolutely controlled this game to a, uh, to a T. And then I had um, Kirigan with the two and Teddy with the one. But you could give it to one of the forwards if you wanted to. Uh, Ollie, what do you think? Yeah, well, I'd go Kieran three as well. I'd go Hutchinson two. And then personally, I would have gone Teddy one. But uh, right. I'd also like to throw possibly a Takayaho into the mix. So if we can decide from that, uh, I mean, it was a world-class performance from the Roosters, so it might be a bit hard. But I think Kieran and Hutchison definitely deserve the three. So we'll leave two. Teddy out. We'll go Kieran with three, Hutchison with two, and Takayaho with the one. What are you sure? Reckon? Excellent. Takayaho mm-hmm. can run 98th now, which is excellent. <laughs> uh, let's get you just to... wait till next week when he wins it. <laughs> excited to see how that all holds up to an audit. Uh, the Storm 28 <laughs> on the Friday night defeated the Sharks 16, who needed to win, had the destiny in their own hands at this stage, uh, needed to win, were Ooh. in the game for probably a 25-minute span, you'd say, and... Uh, they hung on for the rest of it. But, yeah. the, rest of it. The, the first half, I thought they were pretty yeah. much in the game. There was a late try in that first half, which sort of put a gap in it. But um, we had the Sharks with three tries, Storm with five. One out of three conversions played three out of five. And a penalty goal out of one attempt for both teams. 83% completion by the Sharks, 64% for the Storm. 29 out of 35 sets played 23 out of 36. Four line breaks to six. 28 tackle busts to 54, and that's your big outlier right there. Eight offloads to eight. Four force dropouts to three. Zero 40 20s. 293 tackles played 323. Three ruck infringements by the Storm. Zero inside the 10 for both teams. Two penalties conceded by the Sharks. Three by the Storm. Seven errors played 15. Braley with 40 tackles. Liero with 42. Tracy with 169 metres and Pappenhausen with 229. Moylan made seven tackles, missed eight. Trindle made 16 and missed eight. Braley made 40 and missed nine. Nico Hines with 15 tackles and missed five. Pappenhausen with 131 supercoach points. Grant with 105 and Katoa with 90. Yeah, well, you talk about the line breaks. Is that a result of just a lack of line speed by the end of the night for the Sharks? Is that it's something they've struggled with a little bit? I was a game plan for Manly as well. Um, they absolutely targeted the halves and Braley, who is a good defender, but is a small uh, is a small guy and obviously yeah. someone that they can pick the run at. Um, they just absolutely targeted in behind the ruck, which has been the Sharks' Achilles' heel for the entire year. Um, 
they've got some big guys in there that don't move sideways that well, and that doesn't help out their their halves and their hooker when they're trying to make tackles as well. They don't yeah. really get the cover that they need. Um, you'll notice a majority of the breaks actually came back in behind the ruck um, with nice little short passing and just change of angles, and um, the Sharks just couldn't handle it. They, they, as, as I mentioned, missed 50-odd tackles, and when you're trying to make the eight, you probably don't deserve to make the eight if you're going to miss 50-plus tackles in a yeah. game of football. So, You mentioned um, um, those the, the change of direction through the ruck. Well, that's in that's representative of how good Papineau is, and look, he's the, the top player at the game, I guess, for that yep. pace through the middle of the ruck, uh, that short ball and breakthrough there, and he looked like Pappenhausen to me. He was um, <laughs> he was in everything. He had his pace back. He looked like he had confidence. A couple of times he got copped again uh, and took a while to get his bearings. But again, but you know, by the end of the game, it's probably scary signs for everyone playing him going forward. And you got three blokes that are masters at that. You got Cheese, Harry Grant, yep. and Jerome Hughes, and they all feed off that kind of play yep. where they go into the line and then look for someone to either change the angle or they change the angle themselves. And then you start just breaking teams apart. And the team that with the middle defence that's that soft it just got rolled through the middle for a good part yeah. of this game. Cheese was fantastic for the first uh, for his first stint. And then at the back end, Harry was fantastic. He was given by that time he had enough space where he was doing what he wanted. That the line break and almost try assist he set up was uh, mm-hmm. he had all the time in the world to do what he wanted. Could have done a cartwheel on the way through, but he's still got to do it. And he, it's just the way he leaves. When you've got that slow line speed, the way he takes those few steps and then gets going is the way, is what sets him apart, I suppose. Yeah, um, with that, the messy middle defence, the the big difference in the game was two soft tries. Cheese yeah. first try of the match, which was just a dive out from dummy half, and um, the the try from Marion Seve where he just cut back on an angle and beat three or four blokes where they should have just stopped him dead. And there's there's two tries, there's twelve points. So, yeah. And uh, I did enjoy Moylan being hooked. Just after fresh off his contract extension, but uh, he, I'll get out of the way now. Who cares? Uh, he's uh, got my pop plan of the week because uh, in a team that was at the time competitive, he, he was the resident handbrake. Uh, if he wasn't dropping oh. the ball, he was running the wrong way and doing it slowly. Uh, and then just to put a little bit of a cherry on top, he was kicking the ball into touch on the full, and uh, then he had to sit down. But and he wasn't. What's, even, um, he wasn't just a handbrake. The entire breaking system was completely fucking locked on. <laughs> Every time that bloke touched the fucking football, he was atrocious and he showed his true colours, which is shit brown. And then as soon as he, Metcalf came uh, on again, which is a story a bit last week, they, they got a bit of a bit of uh, consistency back and played up. some footy. Yes, so. They did. Um, yeah, I don't know what... Obviously, he's never been a big player under pressure and this just absolutely showed... Like, I've mentioned quite a few times how I've been off him ever since, or even ever since he joined the Sharks. I didn't really want him to begin with, and I've been off him since he came. But this was this was probably the worst performance I think he's ever had in Sharks colours, and that's saying something because he's played some pretty poor games. <laughs> uh, the rest of the rest of Melbourne band, you, I guess, was it business resuming as well? As I mentioned, it was um, you know the hookers and um, Hughes that were dominating back in and around the tra- uh, in and around the the ruck there, and that tore the Sharks open. I thought Nelson and um, Dale were. Yeah, Fanukam was good. It was real good. Coming back, um, yeah. they both did a decent amount of work. They weren't at their best, and they're probably not going to be for another two or three weeks, which is a bit of a scary thought for the teams that they're coming up in, up against in the next uh, three or four games. But um, other than that, I don't think they they definitely didn't dominate the game. Uh, they they possibly should have pushed away at different times. But um, as I said, the Sharks tried hard and they sort of scrapped. But they uh, 
Yeah, they, they kept it as close as they could, but they were just outclassed. Williams and Trindle were probably the best for the Sharks, uh, minus Katoa. He's he's quite a good finisher. Um, he's not the best in the world, but he's up there. He'd be up in the top probably, what, five or ten finishes in the game. Um Nakora and Rudolph did a job, but other than that, there wasn't much else going on for the Sharks. I think I've mentioned pretty much everyone out of the Melbourne Storm that played well. Um, yeah, other than that, there wasn't really anyone that set the world on fire apart from Pappenhausen, but um, yeah, they did their work. So. Oliver? Yeah, well, funnily enough, for Pappenhausen, I still thought he was probably a bit hesitant until he got that first no try. Um, that was called an obstruction. It was, it was the easiest try. He pretty much just had to grab the ball and jump over and put it down because the defence was just absolutely... They, they'd open yeah. it right up for him. But I think that instilled the confidence in him to sort of kick on with it um, and gave him that confidence back a bit. Uh, in the first half, I think it also helped Cronulla that uh, Dean... I. Iremia um, was doing a bit of a haze dunster. I thought he was having a little bit of a shock at the start of the game um, and that, that helped Cronulla out a little bit. But I, I genuinely thought Cronulla were at the level that Melbourne were playing at for the first 40 minutes. And then uh, I think I said it on Friday uh, to you, Barney, that uh, it obviously counts for nothing. But I saw a stat that if the first half, if games ended up after the first half this year, every game Cronulla would finish in the top four. So I guess that just goes to show the drop off that they've been having um, at half time for whatever reason. Um, well, the, the reason I could probably pinpoint is you've got two of the oldest front rowers in the game in Woods and Tolman out there. So true. they're probably only going to get you 40 minutes a game. And then you've got some really big bodies like Talakai and Braden. Hamlin Ueli, who probably only worth about 30 minutes a game as well. So it's <laughs> probably a, a fitness thing um, in the middle there. So, And that's something I've noticed with Cronulla's forwards in the second half of the season. They've dropped off as a pack significantly, I, I think. And a lot of the reason they have been winning when they do win Cronulla in the second half of the season is due to their backs just having an absolute blind of one to five at least. They've just been running an absolute mark and that sort of got them over the line. Uh, I think it did against Brisbane at least last week. Um, so that's something they're really going to have to address. But with a guy like Dale Finucane, who had a great game coming in next year, that's certainly going to help. And Nico Hines as well, I think, had another great game playing at 5'8", uh, the position yeah, he'll be playing in next they've season. They've got another bloke that's had the year off that makes 75 tackles a game too, which will help. That's true, yeah. Cam McInnes, who I believe three of the past five seasons, not including this year because he's been out all year, has been the top tackler in the game for that season, three out of the past five. So he's going to be immense if he can come back uh, in a similar shape to what he was beforehand. Obviously, coming off of, I believe, an ACL, it's going to be tough, but hopefully he does well. But yeah, they... The signs are looking up for Cronulla next season. I'd say they're probably, in terms of their signing, they've probably recruited a bit better than the Titans did last year. But in terms of expectations for next season, they're where the Titans were last year, as in people think, okay, they've signed well, they're going to make the eight. Um, but I'm a, probably a bit more confident in Cronulla that they won't wait until the final day of the regular season to actually get their spot in the top eight. I think they might be around six next year. We'll We'll, we'll talk. We'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> I said we'll put that under the uh, microscope in a couple of weeks. Three points, Pappenhausen. Two points, Cheese. One point, Harry. But you can flip those second two, and uh, I'm sure you'll mention Hughes or. I had uh, Grant Hughes to be honest. I left um, Cheese out because uh, yep. I just he spent a bit more time in the back, uh, 
he didn't have the big impact on. And he spent a bit of time rolling around on the sideline as he usually does. As well. <laughs> but I had Pappy Grant and Hughes. Yep, I'm okay with yep. that, Ollie. Cool, Penrith uh, by lots, whatever that was. Third, <laughs> didn't write the score down. Forty six. Forty to six. Speaking of the league's best finishes, forty to six, Barney. What do the stats say? Yeah, one try to seven, one out of one conversions for Parramatta, six out of seven for Penrith, uh, 76% completion played 85%, 29 out of 38 sets played 35 out of 41, one line break to eight, 22 tackle bust to 52, nine offloads to seven, three force dropouts by Parramatta, zero 40 20s, 370 tackles played 338, two ruck infringements to one, zero inside the tens, four penalties conceded to five, 11 errors to nine, Stone with 54 tackles, Appy with 54, Makatoa with 173 metres, and Brian To'o with 243. Oldfield missed four tackles, made 11. Opacek missed four and made 16. Cleary missed three and made 12. Brian To'o with 164 supercoach points, Luai with 96, and Appy with 93. Did, for the first... Two other players from Penrith before you got the car ride on 74. Sorry. Now, I'll go to you first, Ollie, but... I'll go to you first, Ollie. Go. Yeah, well, in this game, I thought Parramatta are actually hanging on for at least the first 20 minutes. Probably, you could say, at a stretch for the entire first half. Uh, whether that was Parramatta playing amazingly or Penrith being Penrith, then just not coming straight out of the gates, hitting them hard usually, at least for that first half of the year, be the last 20 minutes of the first half. They'd score a couple of tries and get a decent lead and then go on with it in the last 20 of the game um, after sort of having to uh, re-energise, I guess you could say, after coming out of the sheds at half time. Uh, but again, more of a well-rounded performance. I thought it was Luai's best game since he's come back just about. I don't think Sorry. it was amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was amazing or anything, but uh, he did what he had to do, was involved in about half the tries that Penrith had scored. Uh, Brian Toto as well, only running for 243 metres. He must have something wrong with him because he's just not been as good uh, since getting injured, but he was running for 350 metres per game. Uh, but, yeah, it, it it's hard to... And I've seen a lot of people saying this as well during the week, but there are positive signs. Parramatta, I guess, could take out of that first half at least. Penrith did go on with it in the second half, but it was just interesting to see. And for those players in that Parramatta side that will be playing in that game against Newcastle next week in a weird way, they might take a bit of confidence at least out of that first half. There was something Well, this there. is what I want to ask you both is, what was halftime? 12-6? 18-6? 12 6 18 6 18-6, I think. Like, but it was last minute. It was late but, try. Yeah. It would have yeah, been 12-6. Yeah. It was 12-6. If they play their full-strength team and go into halftime 6-all, is it like... Did, did they miss a tricky... I think it, they probably would have been in front at halftime. Well, that, I, thought were, they, I thought Penrith were pretty ordinary for half an hour. And, and, Penrith were putting along for that first yeah, half. And uh, a better team definitely, definitely scores points against that, the way Penrith were playing mm-hmm. in that first half. They could have gone in 12 or 18-6 in front and then it's a whole different game they got their all of a sudden they got their chins out and their chests up and they go all the way around whatever way it goes and um and it's a different game but instead they've been beaten by 34 and i know they would have written off before the game but it's like it's almost a missed opportunity and and the the other thing i realized is it's all right to give everyone a week off and same when we get to new worse when we get to newcastle if they lose this week they got six months off so it's like 
You're resting up when you're going to when you're playing a sudden death game. Aren't you better off keeping momentum? I understand if Gutho had a niggling injury because he did go off early and blah blah blah. But Moses has only just come back, and maybe he's going to. But I, I didn't see the sense in just putting the white flag up and letting Penrith have a walkover because uh, all you've done is probably just put a bit more petrol in Penrith's tank. To be honest, you, you could have maybe given them a bit of a you know show expose a crack or two and maybe taken more out of it. Maybe they would have lost by 40 anyway, wouldn't have meant anything. But I think, to me at least, uh, and we'll see how it plays out this week, uh, they might have missed a shot. What do you think, Barney, first? Well, I mentioned before, I mentioned last week that I thought that, um, they would have been better off just running through and trying to keep that momentum going from uh, the wind from the storm and um, actually put it to Penrith. And then at least you come into the next week going, look, we've, we've beaten one, we've challenged the other, or maybe even beaten both of the top two teams, we can win this comp. But... Um, Obviously, he's looked towards the fact that they couldn't finish. Obviously, nobody expected Manly to lose, so they weren't going to finish fourth. Um, why not rest them up and just let it, you know, a week at this time of the year is probably not going to make a massive difference uh, of, of having a rest. It'll make a big difference to their bodies more so than them continuing to play. So I, I just think he, he took the risk. Uh, he, he just played the safe option of give them a rest, make sure they don't get injured, and we'll see how we go next week. We'll throw everything out next week. So. If they hadn't lost those five straight, do you reckon they play everyone? If they were in for a top four spot, yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh, well, if, if, they, if, they won those, if they'd won those, then, yeah, obviously they're pushing higher honours, aren't they? Uh, Ollie, any thoughts? Uh, I think Arthur might have gone a bit too overboard with the amount of players he rest. I think a couple of them could have stayed in there. Oh, just like I could have understood Gutho maybe having a week off. Yeah. I, I think, for one, Moses should have played this for the reason you brought up. He was coming back from injury. And look at Penrith's side. Half of them are coming back from injury, and that's why they're playing to keep up that match fitness. Mm. So it would have helped a lot uh, to have Moses in that side. And it also helps with these players coming in, filling in in the side uh, to sort of play around those plays because really the only experienced heads in that parasite as I'm going down the roster here, Tom Opacek because he's been playing most of the season, Blake Ferguson, you've also got uh, Bryce Cartwright, not really, and Sean Lane. I mean, you could have done with a bit more experience in there, um, as in maybe a Papali'i um, or someone like that or a couple of Fords. But uh, look, at the end of the day, they've got the quote-unquote home final, though it doesn't mean much. And they are up against a Newcastle side that they should beat, although I'm tentative on that one. Um, however, they probably could have been in a better position heading into the finals if they played a few of those guys. Uh, yeah, Bart, so what do you take from Penrith's performance in? No, as Ollie said, Parramatta should be pretty proud of what they did in that first half an hour. They, um, they did defend quite well. Um, Realistically, their back line was held relatively easily. Um, they weren't making breaks. They weren't putting too much pressure on Penrith's outside defence. Um, Penrith were absolutely in first gear for that entire first half. I know um, I heard a few rumblings about how good Parramatta were in that first half. Yeah, they put in effort, but they were... If Penrith had been flat stick from the word go, this could have been, you know, 70 or 80 nil. Um Penrith really didn't kick into gear until just uh, just before the end of the first half, and they scored five tries in half an hour, and they did it, and they weren't even hitting top gear then either. So, did, did anyone <laughs> see that first try coming? <laughs> Probably, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> did have a little nice collect on um, Brian Toto, actually. He got his first hat-trick hat of his career, which was outstanding to see. Um, deserves every bit of it, considering how much he puts in every week. But, um, yeah, as I said, their back line was held pretty easily, and I'm not sure that it gets much better if they're going to end up having to play Penrith again in the back end of these semifinals. Um, as mentioned, Makatoa was probably one of the best for Parramatta and Ray Stone. And Cartwright did okay, but I'm, I'm not even sure he ends up getting a spot in the uh, in the semifinals, to be honest. Um, I, I actually didn't write it down, but I'll, we'll get to that in the preview show. Because Makatoa has been nearly the find of the last six weeks for him. He has, yeah. He's, what's he played the last three or four games? He's yeah. been fantastic. Um, and he just puts in that effort continually. So, um, Rodwell and Lane were okay off the bench. Penrith forwards weren't great, but I think that was more a case of just make sure we just get through this one, don't oh, get injured. You know, we don't how need good to was Penko again? We'll just hold him. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's um, fantastic. Given a role where he just doesn't have to think and can just run his lines, I think, yeah, <laughs> it shows how good he can be with just given the one job to do. So um, I thought Leota and Fish, you know, they were probably the best of, as well as TPJ out of the, that forward pack. Yeah, it was very good, but again, he didn't sort of rip in as much as he normally does, but he, he, does, he does enough. He's a really good ball player, as I've mentioned time and time again. Luai was better. He seems to be getting a bit more footwork, and it's obviously just that timing that he has with uh, with his house partner. Uh, he still needs to improve a little bit more for Penrith to really give this competition a shake, but um, he was good. Burton was decent, and the, the the two standouts, it's Cleary and Toto. It's almost pretty much those two every week, and they were absolutely outstanding in this game. So, Well, three points, Bizza, just for our old time's sake. Yep. I had I had two to Luai, but I can understand Cleary, obviously, and then either Pengai or Cleary, if it would have been. Will those three take up those second two? Or I had you... Cleary, and then I had either Luai or Yo, to be honest. Okay. Um, just just the amount of minutes that Pengai, he only played 30-odd minutes, um, whereas Yo was out there for the 80, but either way, Ollie. I'm happy. Yeah, well, I think Biz has definitely got to get three, so he'll only win the Daggians by 20, despite having the six weeks off mid-season. Um that's because we're legit. That is because we're legit. Not, not like those dirty dallium. <laughs> I think there's another one. Those might, dirty dallies. Might dallies. give it a shake. Yeah, I, I go Cleary with two and then with one. Let, let me have a quick look at my stats here because I think I, I think you do got to go, Isaiah, as Barney said, he was on there for most of the game. If Tabita Pangai had been on there for 60-odd minutes as well, he might have had a similar performance, but uh, Yo was there, so he gets the one for me. All right, let's get to the Brisbane 35, Newcastle 22 game. And uh, if this is a bigger case... Actually, do your, do your stats, Barn, and I'll... Uh, <laughs> Excuse I'll me, six tries to four, five out of six conversions for the Broncos, three out of four for the Knights, and one out of one field goal attempts for the Broncos. 72% completion played 64, 28 out of 39 sets, was and 25 out of 39 Six line breaks to four. 23 tackle busts played 34. 11 offloads to 12. Four force dropouts by the Knights. Zero 40 20s. 327 tackles played 302. Two ruck infringements by Brisbane. Three penalties to five. 14 errors to 15. Hetherington made 36 tackles. Randall with 51. Milford with 239 metres. And King with 195. Kelly missed eight tackles, made 22. Cobo missed four and made nine. Clifford missed six tackles and Best missed three. Milford with 108 Supercoach points. Tessie New with 99 and Herbie Farnsworth with 95. 
Randall was the best of uh, Newcastle team with 81. Well, here's the case where it made no sense to rest. Pierce has just come back from three weeks off. And it's like, oh, we'll rest our best players because everyone else is. Uh, they gave away any semblance of momentum they might have had and got beaten by the team come, what, 15th? 14th. 14th. 14th yeah. And not just beaten, fucking smashed. They played like shit. They looked <laughs> awful for most of it. And the Brisbane's best player went off after 15 minutes. Uh, it was it was terrible. Brisbane looked like world beaters against them just by spreading <laughs> the ball. Admittedly, Milford's got a new lease on life, but uh, the young Fords dominated them. Uh, Milford had all the time in the world. Tessie New had all the time in the world. And Herbie uh, just loved running at the crappy edge defence. Uh, so it was it was a feast, and um, I enjoyed watching it. I don't know why I hate Newcastle so much, but anyway. <laughs> um, it was easy to watch, and uh, I enjoyed it. Entertaining game. Was, Brisbane, if nothing else, Brisbane play entertaining footy when they're playing well. So, Well, they've proved out of sight in the last six weeks yeah. as well. Uh, um, Kelly and Milford clicked and have done for the last three weeks. Have done since they've come and, together. And uh, yeah. get the ball to the outside backs who, who look good. So, uh, yeah, Newcastle lost all momentum. They now have... Given these blokes a week off, they're going to come in and probably get beaten by 40 by Parramatta and have the rest of the season off. So uh, it made no sense to me. Uh, but anyway, what am I wrong here, Oliver? Oh, well, that's just... Or Barney? <laughs> no, or Barney? No, well, I thought uh, what Newcastle were missing, funnily enough, were the Safidi brothers. Uh, the impact that they've had this year has really been heightened by this game when they weren't there. Um, but it, it really should not come down to the Safidi brothers not being there. When you have a team of uh, international slash representative forwards, you've got Caelan Ponga, who I thought was relatively quiet for him, uh, and Mitchell Pearce, who is supposed to be the game breaker and the leader and the one um, having that game control out there. And I did not see much of that from Newcastle at all. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Milford, what an end to the year he's having back in that Brisbane Broncos side. And something that I've noticed as, as well in the media, and I don't know why they're not doing it because you'd think it's a big story, but no one's really talking about how good Anthony Milford's been, at least on a large scale over the past few weeks. So that's benefiting him completely. He's going to go to South Sydney now with that form under his belt, uh, a fresh start and without all that media scrutiny and all of that attention on him. So that'll do him the world of good. Uh, it was interesting when Payne Haas went off early in the game, it was going to be interesting to see how Brisbane reacted because I think we've been talking all year about how whenever Brisbane win or really when they don't win, he is their best player. Well, he wasn't going to be able to be their best player in this one and they still had a great game all around. And I think it really just heightened and highlighted uh, how good Brisbane have been this year. Um, not necessarily an attack, but in his last game, of rugby league and defence, Alex Glenn, I thought it a solid defensive effort and a respectable performance to go out on. But other than that, that's just a big thing for me, how Brisbane, without Payne Haas for most of that game, were able to get the job done. And I saw in Triple M a couple of weeks ago, they asked the question, anyone, if you had to pick one team outside of the top 10 to make the eight next year, I think it's, it's got to be Brisbane. I, I don't see how any other team improves more than them or has shown, at least this year, that they could kick on to that extent next year. At least no one comes to mind. At this so, point in time, well, we mentioned Cronulla. Yeah. Well, outside the top 10. Oh, top 10. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, it, it'd really have to be Brisbane. And I mean, good on them. That, that's the big thing for me. Uh, basically a whole game without paying half, and they were able to do what they did. Obviously, Newcastle helped that a bit by not being great, uh, but it was good to see the effort we got from the Bronx. 
So yeah, uh, Barney. As I said, hooking their guns after half time. Yay, nay, whatever. Well, that's probably the only positive they can take out of the game, really. They can turn around and say, well, we didn't have our two best attacking players and our two best front rowers in the in, in the game. Um, I couldn't see any other positives, realistically, apart from maybe Connor Watson and um, young Randall, but he's not going to be there because uh, Braley will come back in. So, um, yeah, they, they, as I said, they're probably the only positives that they could take because they were never in this game whatsoever. Um, the Broncos started hard and fast and they were just dominated this game. Um, the fact that the Knights got to 22 points surprised me, to be honest, because I didn't think they were going to get anywhere near it. Yep. Um, Newcastle bench had absolutely nothing again, which has been a constant theme that you've heard from me the entire season. He needs a, he needs a little bit more depth in in the, the bench players that come on for his team. Um, as I mentioned, Randall and Watson were the best for Newcastle. Um, Tawala was good again. And, you know, when he gets good ball, he's, he's a decent finisher. But um, the Broncos matched the middle, as as you also mentioned, with, with only 24 minutes from Haas, which was surprising. Um, Hetherington's played three or four really good games back-to-back. He looks like he's um, he's improving and could be something to build on next year. And um, young Kennedy as well, uh, with probably the best two forwards in the game. As you mentioned, Alex Glenn, it's good to see him get a win in his last game. Um, he's never been the the outstanding back rower in the comp, but he's always been a good back rower and he's always put in a solid job. And, um, you know, 280-something games, he's a uh, well-deserved retirement. I'm sure his body will tell him all about it in the next five years or so. But, um, yeah, the, the Brisbane backline absolutely killed Newcastle's outside edges. Um, they were getting torn apart consistently and probably should have and could have had a lot more points put on them at different times in this game. Um, as Milford wound back the clock, his last three weeks have been his best football he's played since he came from fucking Canberra, which was, what, seven years ago now. like He was absolutely outstanding. He legit could be the best 14 in the comp next year. Absolutely. He could t- um, he could come on. Playing half an hour most games yeah, and then and filling in if people are out or whatever. Been given yeah. a free reign. Like he, he could, with no pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. He could tear he teams apart. And a lot of it's come from he's actually challenging the line again. He's not going all the way into the line, but he's getting two blokes interested. He's getting close enough for them to have to think about, oh, he could run this and then playing some nice short balls. His passing game has been, you know, he's always had a pretty good passing game, but in the last three weeks, it's been outstanding. He's basically hit the bloke on the chest every time he's he's thrown it. He was throwing nice little short balls. He went in for his own try where he just cut back inside and left two blokes standing there wondering where he went. It was, um, yeah, it's, it's been so good for Milford recently. As mentioned, the, everything the, the Broncos did was just faster, stronger, and more enthusiastic than what the Knights did. They just didn't look like they wanted to be there. They Obviously, they knew their fate. They were going to finish seventh no matter what. And it's I don't just know if funny they had anything to do with it. If these two teams play again this week at full strength, I'll, I'll still tip Brisbane. Yeah, put Payne Haas back in there. Yeah, yeah me too. Probably more than likely. Well, we essentially did. I oh, think we did to win this one, didn't we? I we did. all took the Broncos hit. Yeah. yeah, we did. And confidently. <laughs> I had Milford with three points, Herbie with two, and then take your pick between Selwyn Cobbo or uh, Connor Watson for the one. I had uh, testing you in for one, but I agree with the other two. Yeah, true. Uh, what do you think, Oh, uh, Yeah, I'll go with testing you. Okay. Uh, but Cobbo was good, and cobbo has yeah. got something about him. Does, uh, definitely. Got, uh, so, uh, you know, he's only, eight, I think, 19. So he, he could 
built into a, a little mini matrel, uh, a trail down the road. Uh, so we'll see where that heads. Uh, we kept right to keep playing on. Do you need a break, boys? Okay, go, Luke. Um, let's go. All right, got the eye in. Uh, let's get to uh, the Seagulls. Forty-six. Well and truly got their eye in. Not resting players against the Cowboys. Eighteen. Uh, yeah, tell us some stats, Barney. How many uh, how many tackle busts are in this game? Because I can. Well, there was fifty-seven on the manly side of things, but it was three tries to eight. Three out of three conversions played seven out of eight. Seventy-four. Seventeen of them were in one run, so that was good. <laughs> 74% completion played 77, 26 out of 35 sets for the Cowboys and 34 out of 44 for Manly. Two line breaks to 11, 22 tackle bust to 57, three offloads to 15, two force dropouts by Manly, 0 40 20s, 342 tackles played 272, three ruck infringements to two, uh, one inside the 10 by Manly, seven penalties conceded to two, 12 errors apiece from both teams. Uh, Nanai with 38 tackles, Croker with 35, Holmes with 178 metres, and Tom with a lazy 302 metres. Holmes made eight tackles, missed four. There was two two others with um, seven missed tackles, but they, they were the guys that were making 30 and 40, so I didn't mention those guys. The two halves and two front rowers missed five tackles also from the Cowboys. Four and missed four tackles and made 17. Tom with 229 supercoach points. DCE with 142. Garrick with 125. Two other Manly players before you got down to Jordan McLean with 67 supercoach points. Uh, another slow start from Manly. Their first half, they, um, they're just sort of going through the motions and they never really sort of hit form. They was a bit scratchy in attack, but then they went and put seven tries on in 45 minutes. So <laughs> that'll win you a few games. There was some ridiculous tries in there as well, especially that last one. But there was um, a lot of their tries were really good attacking football. Um, young Ham- Hamaso started with a bang and then got injured eight minutes into the game. He looked like he he was actually um, dominating the game there for that first five minutes of the game. But we got to see Sabra versus bu- Hammer busted a leg. Yeah, and it looked to me like Sabra. Sab- well, Sarb had him covered, him, but, but he can't off, tackle. So. <laughs> um, Jordan McLean had his best game in, I don't know, probably since he was at Manly, I think, uh, Melbourne. He was. Um, we said that last week about him. Yeah, but uh, he was, a a, he was better that. again this game. Yeah. Um, Dunn and Dean were okay for the Cowboys, but there's not much else you could really mention in that team. <laughs> the Manly's first, uh, Manly's forward pack was solid without being spectacular. They, I think they were, again, I think a lot of these top teams just sort of didn't really rip in as hard as they could have and just sort of went through the motions for a big part of the game. But um, you had um, Jake and Ola Katow were probably the best of the forwards. Marty Tapao was strong again. But um, DCE just got him around the field, put him into position. And then there's that bloke called fucking Tommy Turbojevic who just... I mean, he's the absolute definition of just too big, too fast, too strong. He's that big kid in under 12s football who just runs rings around the entire field and scores tries whenever the hell he wants to. Just give it to Tommy. <laughs> it's getting ridiculous, man. I don't know what's going on. And then you add a bit of skill to that big, too, too big, too fast, too strong. And yeah. And he picks his moments, which is the, uh, the other thing. He will wait till there's a bit of a, he can, he'll sniff it out for a few sets and then he'll, he'll pick when he's yeah. going to. Eight blokes. Uh, Ollie, do you take much out? 
Uh, well, just on Hammer, first of all, 135 run metres in eight minutes. I mean, <laughs> I would have liked to have seen him play the whole game if he was able to keep that up. He might have run to 500. I mean, uh, Kilometre. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Tom Trevojevich uh, did what he does, although uh, very much less involved defensively, didn't necessarily need to be involved yeah, too much. I don't think he made it. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess that was him playing in a dinner suit, um, playing in a dinner suit, still running for 300 metres and getting three tries and two assists. Um, Daly Cherry Evans, you brought him up, Bob. If Tommy Turbo wasn't in that side, I wonder if his form individually would actually drop off too much because he had a good 2020 no, as well so. a great 2019 as well and it's unfortunate that Travoyevich has been there because the impact DC's had on that side this year as well has been immense and in this I, game I, I, I recall um first four rounds we weren't we weren't wrapping him but I think I, I think we were saying he tried very hard I think we were sort of saying he was doing his best and it's hard it's hard to lead a team around that was getting flogged at the time as well you can't wear a dinner suit when you yeah know, you're playing in the mud yeah, that's right. And Jake Travojevich, I think, has been solid all year too, uh, but especially in this game, sort of stood up. It's funny, usually Jake Travojevich is one of the more talked about players in the game for his effort, but unfortunately this year, when you have not only a teammate, but your own brother having an absolute blinder of a year, you do sort of get that um, spotlight moved away from you a bit. So uh, a shout-out to him as well. He's had a great season, and I thought that was exemplified uh, in this game too. I think extension of the... Obviously, we all love Jake. Uh, I think the thing with Jake is there's just now the real elite locks are just that little bit. Your Cam Murray's just that little bit better, and not a knock on Jake because he's yeah. fantastic. I wish, you know, I wish the Tigers had four of them, but four of him. But um, <laughs> you know, your Cam Murray's and your uh, Angus Crichtons and your Isaiah Yo's are the same, but but a bit better. I'd like, be very surprised next year if Schuster doesn't come into 13 and Jake doesn't get moved into the front row, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. Jake plays as a front rower. Schuster just adds that little bit of more ball playing and um, he's and got quicker. Fo- Tepau, he's obviously faster. Power's moving on too, so I think that probably makes a lot of sense. No, he's got one more year. Tepau. Oh, sorry. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I still would, I, I would. What what stops you from having an 80-minute front rower with Tapau and a rotation with Sipley and... Uh, um, young Paseca, yeah. you know, like it'd be ridiculously good. And yep. then you got Ola Katao and um, find someone else for that other edge. Um, They'll find but, someone. Yeah, <coughs> yeah I, this is, the, you know, what can I say? You've summed up this game pretty well. I don't want to just uh, repeat everything you've said. Tommy's a freak. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I love love watching Delhi play. And um, Garrick had a good game as well. You know, whatever. It's uh uh, the last try was fantastic. Yeah, it was the first guy to score 20 tries and kick 100 goals or something yeah, in and also, NRL history. And also yeah. passed the Seagulls all-time record, I believe. And yeah. passed the Bulldogs for and passed the, the Bulldogs. entire season. No, I think I think oh, they're uh, only for only oh, for right. only for one day. One no, day, that's no right. the West Tigers <laughs> took care of <laughs> that one. Don't worry. Right. We're going to get to that game. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll give three to Tommy, two to DCE, one to uh, Schuster or Foran or... Who I heard Garrick. Oh, well, I said I actually. We got two tries and kicked seven goals or whatever it was. Yeah, God. And, and he can still beat the Bulldogs too. If Manly go deep into the finals, then he, he kicks plenty of goals. Uh, it only counts in the regular season, mate. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. The no, dogs can't score. No, 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 I think for I think for record time it doesn't. Because I I'm pretty sure Hodjo Hodjo yeah, has um, still in front of him. He's still chasing Hazem. Yeah, he's still chasing Hazem. 
But the year Hodge got three hundred. Yeah. The year Hodge got three hundred was when he, he got forty in that um the uh, semi final game where they put fifty on the Cowboys. So yeah. I guess it does count. <laughs> <laughs> we get to Saturday night. Rabbitohs twenty beat the Dragons sixteen, or what was uh, left of the Rabbitohs. Some uh, some impressive young performances and some. Uh, Far, far from impressive old performances in this game, Barney. What does that say? <laughs> this was probably one of the harder watches of the weekend, to be honest. Mm. There was about 10 minutes of good football in this one. Uh, four tries to three. That was the last one 10, of, I think. One out of four conversions for Souths, two out of three for the Dragons. One out of one penalty goals for, for South Sydney. 91% completion from Souths and 75% for the Dragons. 39 out of 43 sets played 33 out of 44. One line break to three, 22 tackle bust to 24. Nine offloads by the Souths and four by the Dragons. One forced dropout by the Rabbits and one 40-20. 378 tackles played 411. Five ruck infringements to one. One inside the 10 to zero. Three penalties conceded to five. Seven errors to 13. And a sin bin to the Dragons. Mama Zoulis from South, the young hooker, had quite a good game with 50 tackles. Jack DeBellin with 59. Burns with 219 metres. Ravalawa with 221. Young Ilias made 20 tackles, missed five. Ravalawa made two and missed two. Jack DeBellin with 98 supercoach points. Sloan with 95. And Graham with 82. As I mentioned, some ugly football in this game with some flashes of really nice football, um, especially in that last 10 minutes when the Dragons decided to have a, have a crack. Um, Dragons were their worst, their own worst enemies. For two tries in that first half were directly from errors, like just letting the ball bounce or just completely dropping it and getting South scoring tries off the back of it. Um, Maguire with another swinging arm, which surprises nobody. Um 10 minutes to go, Dragons decided to play some football and they played some really nice football. There were some um, nice touches from Sloan. Um, even Corey Norman had a couple of nice touches there. But um, when they gave the ball a chance, they scored a couple of nice tries. Uh, Norman signed off his rugby league career at the Dragons with a really nice cutout ball and then dropping the ball cold after calling for it with the game on the line, which surprises nobody, I believe. Jack DeBellin and Sloan were the best for the Dragons. Young Sullivan seems to be making a case to be either play hooker or as a backup half for the, yep. the Dragons. He's going quite well, I thought. Um, Norman was okay. South forwards were slightly better. Um, as I mentioned, Bamazoulis was really good at number nine. Sewer, Host and Nichols all did a job, but um, it was down to Benji and Campbell Graham in this game. Although Benji, especially in that first half, did a really good job of managing the game, getting them around the field, um, working with his young half and Elias, who looks like there's something there with that young fella. Um, he, he could go on to have a half-decent career in first grade, so we'll see how that plays well, out. Well, they've and backed him over a, a club icon, so you'd hope so. Yeah. And Campbell Graham was... Um, Fantastic. Obviously, he had a couple of opportunities where he just sort of fell on the ball, but he was, uh, he was I think he was probably the best player in the game. Um, other than that, I didn't really have a lot to take out of this game. As I said, a lot of it was um, was pretty tough watch, but what did you boys think? Yeah, I, I think um, ultimately it was the back of South just having a slightly better forward pack, set a better platform, and the most experienced player on the ground guided him around. Mm-hmm. Which it's amazing how that might work sometimes, but uh, the professor was good again. Uh, worked hard. I thought there was enough, like you said, from uh, Ilias 
Mamazilos and Taff as well, chiming in, um, diffused a lot. Uh, but yeah, ultimately Campbell Graham, I thought was, I agree if he was the best player on the ground, and Benji um, sort of led him around, but it never felt, until the last five minutes, it never felt like St George were interested in being there, apart from a couple of um, plays from the young blokes, where it looked quite sharp. Uh, Sloan, I think, is exciting for next year. I'd be excited to see what Absolutely. what that means in a full team of Dragons next year, what, what he actually gets around him, getting Ben Hunt back and whatever else. But I don't quite know how much better they're going to be. Uh, Amoni looked good at times, had some nice touches. He's tiny, though. Is that just me, or does he feel tiny? He's a bit bigger than Sullivan, I think. Maybe so I'm thinking of, sorry, I might be thinking of Sullivan. One of them's yeah, tiny. I think you're thinking of Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, and you, you just, he will get manhandled a little bit. But uh, between those, it's exciting, and it's going to take time. It, it probably won't be next year. It might be the year after, but who knows, you know, you get a hot... Well, it only you took what there's three years for Penrith to get the best out of what they have, so you never, never know. Uh, there's enough. Yeah, I thought there's enough there where you could be excited. You take Corey Norman out. You put some. You, you put a uh, buy on a bench. They need. They probably do need some forwards. And if they're happy, let Sims go. I don't quite know what their plan is, uh, no. but uh, like, what do you take away from it? It's a game that meant nothing apart from the couple individual efforts. I can't. Shed much more light, Ollie. Can you? Look, the Dragons probably lost it, really. Well, they um, didn't play for 60 they had minutes. opportunities to win this game, and yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for 60 minutes, they didn't do much, and then all of a sudden, they decided they're going to throw the ball around. Yeah. Uh, barring, uh, yeah, what, two or three plays, which is what the case has been is the same in the Cowboys game, barring a 20 minute period where the young blokes got their hands on the ball three or four times. Uh, that was it. Uh, so I don't know what you, again, I don't know where you take much more. Uh, Ollie, did you see anything else out of this game? I thought it was just about the best game Braden Burns has played, obviously, yeah, uh, up until about halfway through this year, a big 10-month, 10, 10 to 12-month layoff of injury, and it's uh, at least the best game he's played since he's been back. Um, the, the nutty professor as well, able to put out the, the same effort as he does every week at lock. He, he, he's, he's proved he's a versatile player. Stick him at fullback, replace Latrell, and I'm sure he'll be fine under Cleary's high balls. He'll take him like a champ. Um but uh, other than that, a pretty crap game. I did enjoy, though, uh, the battle of the hookers uh, defensively and the fact that it was two young hookers able to put in that defensive effort was good. I thought it was a bit funny, too, that uh, during the week, the Rabbitohs third-string hookers just signed with the Bulldogs because he thought, well, I'm not starting over Damien Cork and the second string has just had a blinder, so I might as well get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, but other than that, yeah, <coughs> disappointing from... The Dragons mostly. Uh, Tyrell Sloan was the big highlight for them, for me at least. I think Ravalawa had a decent game too, uh, at least in attack for the Dragons, but defensively, and I mean, he's a winger, so, but defensively he was poor. But I think he, he still, uh, he, he signed off nicely as the the other Sevo that's now probably just as good, if not been playing better than Sevo this year. Maybe that's their idea for um, Tarek Sims. Just put him in the fucking back row and just run it, blokes. <laughs> He can put he can, he can put some yeah. shots on and he can yeah. definitely run over people. So yeah. <laughs> why, hey, why not? Can throw big rainbow balls off his launches <laughs> as well. So actually, it makes perfect sense why they're letting Sims go now. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Three points. Campbell Graham. Two points. Benji. One point. Professor or uh, or Taff. I had um, Campbell also. Graham, Jack DeBellin, and Sloan. Okay. But. Ollie. Jack DeBellin did a mountain of work. Um, 
I, that's why I put him in for two. If you actually go and have a look at the stats, he made 50-plus tackles. It's without, a funny thing. Um, without a miss and a whole Well, think about that, so. and I forgot to mention it, but it's funny because they, they did try and name him as club captain for a day. And uh, all <laughs> off-field indiscretions aside, I can I can on, understand on why. Round as well. Yeah, but <laughs> I, look, yeah, they didn't think any of it through, and uh, it's obviously not the time. But I can see why he's considered a club leader. Uh, oh, he's, he's a an absolutely sensational on, footballer. Is on-field on leader? Yeah, he twelve hit-ups, hundred and fourteen meters, two tackle busts. 59 tackles without a miss. That's why I had him in for Yeah, two. fair enough. All right. <laughs> I'll consent to that. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All righty. So we get to the... Yes. So, uh, Graham three, Jack DeVillain two, and who's one? Sloan or Yeah, go give it to Sloan. Why not? I like right. him. Let's, let's just end this, sure. Yeah. I do like Benji. Yeah, whatever. Move on. <laughs> we get to Sunday afternoon where no show from Ollie as you watch the 44-0 drumming of the Warriors who decided they were going to no show as well. Absolutely. Uh, what do the stats say here? And then, Oliver, you can lead us away and just talk us through your roller coaster of emotions. Eight tries to duck egg, six out of eight conversions for the Titans, 77% completion played 55%. 37 out of 48 sets played 16 completed sets out of 29. 350 plus post-contact metres for the Titans. Nine line breaks to zero. 33 tackle busts to 15. 12 offloads to eight. Five force dropouts to zero. Zero 20s. 227 tackles played 363. Two ruck infringements to three. One inside the 10 by the Warriors. Five penalties conceded to eight. 13 errors from both teams and one sin bin to three, which is comedy five minutes there. Um, Mo with 28 tackles, Curran with 47, Campbell with 255 metres and Fanua Blake with 147. Herbert missed four tackles, made 13. Campbell, <laughs> Jaden Campbell missed two tackles and didn't make one. Egan missed five tackles, made 24. Uh, Supercoach points, Campbell with 110, Fogarty with 99, Fafita with 91, and then five other Titans players before you got down to Sirenin from the Warriors on 57 points. Well, you speak, actually, just, just to butt in, because Ollie's not even paying attention, uh, <laughs> Jaden Campbell is a legit option as a cheap Supercoach second fullback, maybe Absolutely. even a starting fullback next year. I, I was looking at him, and as is Tyrell Sloan. I look today, both are... are Sloan's about three, going to be about 370. Campbell's going to be at 400. Uh, Tommy Turbo's going to be 1.2 mil, and most people won't be able to afford that. Oh, he's already doing pre-season. I was just looking today, uh, and we're good. We'll obviously do a show on this in uh, February <laughs> when I get the itch to talk about stuff. But just it was just a thought that uh, they are both genuine fullback options at that price 100%. to throw in alongside. Starting spots, they're definitely, definitely someone to look at. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Ollie, take us through your Sunday afternoon. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't watch this game. Uh, I missed it. I was off reading a book. Uh, no. Uh, I was All right, Barney. So <laughs> the roller the roller coaster of emotions you talk about. It wasn't really a, a roller coaster. I was nervous for the whole game, but it wasn't really until the last five minutes where I sort of 
to be honest, it, it was when that whole schmuzzle happened and the three Warriors players went off. Where I thought, okay, now now I can relax. It's it's done for. Thank you. What well, it was thirty eight to nil. <laughs> hey, I'm a very pessimistic person. I was and thirteen on ten. I was thinking, well, the Warriors could technically, if they score a try every 30 seconds, that's that's sort of where my mind was at for most of the game. Uh, but I will touch on the Warriors to start. We talked about uh, Luke Thompson playing with a bunch of peanuts every week. Paul Adam for Noah Blake must just be crying every time he gets off the field because he's not only playing with a bunch of peanuts, he's playing with a bunch of hothead peanuts. So um, he, he just must be... He must be done with it, especially, and even in this game, the effort he put out there, I think he was probably the Warriors' best player. Surprise, surprise. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Poor bugger. And, and especially when that. It felt sorry for him late in the game. I think, he, I think yeah. he, there's a couple through the ruckery just was fucked and he, he yeah. missed a couple of tackles just being cooked and yeah. he felt sorry for him by that stage. Yeah. And, and he's, the rest of his four pack all. Uh, got to have a bit of a rest and it wasn't because they were tired and put in an effort. It was because they were, as I said, a bunch of peanuts. But um, for one, Jaden Campbell, I think now he's pretty much cemented himself at least to start next year at one for the Titans. I thought it was pretty funny. Ash, um, Ash Taylor, uh, AJ Brimson put out a post on the Instagram after the game and the caption was, I guess I'm going to Super League next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is good. But um, he'll probably slot into six, which is interesting for a Toby Sexton. Um, I thought with the form he showed, he probably deserved to at least start alongside uh, Jamal Fogarty next year. Holbrook uh, will probably just start Campbell on the bench. That's what he does with all his best players. Yeah, <laughs> true. It's, it's gotten to the to the dance in September, as they say. But um, well, AJ at six or fourteen is probably not the worst option in the world. So yeah, but he's too uh, sm- yeah, but he's too small to play center, isn't he? But he could play a six. I suppose play a six. Yeah, he actually when he won, uh, not rookie of the year. He won when they were still doing Holden Cup. He won Holden Cup Player of the Year in 2017, and he played hooker that year for the Titans in reserve grade. So he can even play a hooker, old Adge. So uh, the quintessential 14, I guess you could say, um, it, if he was happy playing there. But uh, the Titans just ran a muck in this game that's all we can re- really say there are plenty of options for the best player uh, what a year it's been we've seen Reese Robson yeah. play fullback and you've just suggested AJ Brimson play hooker play wow. hooker yeah. what a world we live in uh, yeah well, uh, uh, Jaden Campbell uh, two tries and an assist uh, absolutely ran, ran up a storm so he would have to be for me the best player on the field but there were certainly plenty of others out there uh, who put their hand up, and it was good to see. And as much as I want to say it was just because they needed to make the finals, it was good to have that dominating performance. But also the Warriors were crap. Like they just they were shit. after that first disallowed try, there was nothing, but literally nothing other than that that they brought to the table. Uh, you and Aiken going off hurt them as well, yeah, obviously with, with the deficit. And I hope these had issues with injuries as well. Hopefully he comes back next year because he was. He He'll was be firing at second row. Um, I hope. Well, I hope he comes back well and is able to put in a good shift um, for the entire year in the second row there because he will be one of the Warriors' better players. It's pretty much going to be him for Noel Blake and uh, Murdoch Masillo, and he's back as well. Uh, but other than that, the Titans literally just ran an absolute muck. That, that's all I can really say. It was a great performance, a record-breaking club performance as well. And I'm not sure if he's actually been. I don't. Well, I haven't checked the extended lineup for the game against the Roosters next week, but I, I, I'd just love to see Don a late minute call in. <laughs> um, I don't want anyone to get injured. Yeah, uh, him so, and Marzu are both uh, out. So. 
uh, well, that see, that just ruins all my fun. What's the point of even supporting him this week then? But yeah. uh, in all honesty, it was also good. Um, the um, the pre-game send-off for Anthony Don as well, and he got to watch from the sideline as the boys uh, cemented their place in the finals. You might be saying that at the end of the weekend, but anyway... And as for you, talking about Robson playing fullback, Robson will never play fullback in his entire career. <laughs> it was Jake Granville. Granville. Oh, I was too. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry. Uh, and a uh, bonus slap for me, I just put six wart beers in the fridge next to the 18 cold ones, and I took out one of the warm ones. Yes, good job. Uh, very yeah. good. Sorry, Karen. Oh, well, the Titans were very good. Um, as you mentioned, the Warriors were atrocious. They were just garbage. Um there was three blokes on the Warriors team that actually had a crack, and that was Fanua Blake, Sirinan, and Curran. And I'm oh, sorry, I'll make it four because Aiken before he got hurt, before he got hurt. The rest wanted to go home, and there was three of them that just wanted to get a little bit punchy, and that was about the whole thing you could say about the Warriors team. But nothing else to say about those blokes. Fair income, they were atrocious. Kane Evans is the smartest all, bloke in rugby league, isn't he? Oh, he's got two brain cells, and they're fucking fighting each other to the death. Very good. <laughs> all, all did, did one make him punch Chambers and the other one make him punch Jared Wallace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now they're both dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all credit to the Titans. They they were composed. Like they were really composed in attack. Um, and that comes from obviously Fogarty. Uh, that young Campbell, he's got a he's got a head on him. He just seems to know football. You know, see knows absolutely knows where to be and. Um, He's already starting to spark up. I don't think it would matter who his half was. He's going to be in the right position majority of the time. Interesting um, late dash for rookie if, of the year. If he'd played another four or five games, he'd be up there, I would imagine. Um, the Titans, they were strong up front as well, and their back line were clinical. When they needed points, they just put points on. It, was just, it just absolutely killed this Warriors team. Fafita and Mo were easily the best of the forwards for the Titans. Um, Fogarty, as I mentioned, was cool, calm, composed. Kelly and Campbell were the best of the back line. So that's... Kelly's had a good, um, I won't say defensively, but in attack he's had a real good month or so. During the call, when Blocker goes, he's, he's a really good defensive centre, Brian Kelly, and straight away I just thought of you, Barney, and I started giggling. Well, did, did you see the message I sent? This fucking bloke has never obviously watched this bloke make a tackle <laughs> in his life. <laughs> he's not a defensive centre. <laughs> anyway, go on. What do you got? Uh, what do you got, Daggy? Uh, I've got little Daggy here running in. There he is. There he hello, is. everyone. There hello, is. little man. Yes, hello. Hey. There he is. <laughs> nice. All right, go back inside. Uh, you've buried the lead here. You've missed the try of the season in this game. Right. Mo waker chasing oh, a right. chip and chase, <laughs> burning off this myth, Jaden Campbell, to run 40 metres and score under the post was the moment of the season. Yeah, I so cried. Pretty well for Stephen me, Roach cried. Mm. Uh, Mo cried. <laughs> when he was running, uh, my dad was going, oh, is that is that the prop for the weekend? I thought, no, sure, surely it's Aaron Clark. In my head, I was like, it, it's Aaron Clark. I could see the number on his back. But I thought, no, it's definitely Aaron Clark. And then they showed, I was like, oh, shit, it's Mo. Like, that's <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful moment. I, I will going. find that try and put it uh, over Titanic Music, put it on our Facebook page. Uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, pumping those big peppers, but uh, sensational. Yeah, they, they were good. I, I, again, this is you've all beat me most of the punches. Fogarty's been good <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Now we'll he's let back. You he's go first looking in pretty the next composed. Game, I still, I don't buy. Peachy's off contract, isn't he? So that they'll be looking to AJ yeah. or slot in there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Don't let me go next game. <laughs> uh, I, I think it could work Sexton seven and Fogarty six though. I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah, yeah. but because uh, Fogarty's a big enough body and does a few good things, and just leave uh, Sexy to do all the work. But uh, exciting times for you, I'd say. Look at the end start of the year, we all predicted what Titans six or seven. So you'd so say they're yeah, probably. Given the roller coaster they've been on, where we bagged them and praised them and bragged them, just and just scraped they've in probably just done exactly what we all said. Is that the case? You know, I was saying for half the year at least that look, the team is going to finish seventh and eighth. Uh, the two teams who cock up the least out of the rest of the mediocre teams, because uh, let's be honest, from Newcastle down, every single team at some point in the year has looked like a guaranteed bottom four team, and at times they've looked like a guaranteed top yeah, eight team. Absolutely. Yeah, I th- absolutely. and that's our thing is yeah. that I th- I'm fairly certain every single one of their wins was against a team underneath them. Yeah, there you go. And also, they have it, not beaten their the... top six team. It's the most losses for a team to make the finals. Yeah, yeah. it's the worst so, record in Australian so, rugby league so, history. Uh, and it's boring, and they talk about it every year. I, I would suggest a top six or five is the better thing, given where we are. But uh, it is, let's be realistic, they haven't been Money a team making. higher than And uh, when you lose more than you win, you shouldn't be in competition. And the top the three finals. teams dominate the way they do, as, as they have done in this year's competition. It's always going to be the way that it, it ends up playing out. It's, it's up to the rest to catch the best, mate. It's yeah, 100%. That. I've like, no, just yeah, got to yeah, be yeah. better. Well, what's interesting is most years we get a hot team out of the eight that comes, comes rampaging in, and there just isn't yep. one this year. No, uh, not really. And, and there's well, two of these. Te- maybe actually, maybe maybe Titans are as close as we get to that, to be honest, but mm-hmm. they're not, like I said, I think I said last week, they're not Parramatta 09 or anything like that. Uh, they, in Newcastle, I would back six teams outside the eight to beat them next week. Uh, so <laughs> maybe not in round 26. Pretty but, fair call. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let's move on. Three points. Let's give it to Campbell. Campbell, yeah. Fogarty. Uh, yep. And I had Fafita or Mo for the one. Well, Fafita was good too, but Mo did score that try, so I'm giving him a point. We'll, we'll give it to Mo. I, part of me really just wants to give it to Fanua Blake. Because he well one he did have a good game. I don't, I don't disagree. Sympathy, I don't but I mean, Mo was it's Mo. It's Mo. It's Mo. But I think soft spot for Adam Fanua Blake. Him and um, uh, him and Luke Thompson, the poorest blokes in rugby league. Eh? Imagine if you get them together. There you go. There you go. Warriors go and get fucking <laughs> Luke Thompson. Yeah. Well, imagine if you don't want him for whatever. Reason. <laughs> imagine if you got them both together in like orange and black. Anyway, speaking of orange <laughs> and black, and Tarek seems. <laughs> oh. 38-0. The Canterbury Bulldogs defeated the Western Tigers at Morton Daly <sighs> Stadium, Redcliffe, in front of 3,104 people. Barney, you can talk about some stuff. <laughs> Zero tries to seven. Four out of seven conversions for the Dogs. One out of one penalty attempts. 68% completion, played 77. 25 out of 37 sets, played 37 out of 48. One line break for the Tigers, eight for the Dogs. 21 tackle bust to, t- to 39, nine offloads apiece, one forced dropout for both teams. Zero 40-20s, 382 tackles played 290. One ruck infringement by the Dogs, seven inside the 10s played four, five penalties conceded by the Tigers, two by the Dogs. 13 errors played 14, two sin bins for the Tigers, 12 with 61 tackles, Jackson with 42, 
Nofaluma with 142 metres and Aaron Shoup with 201. Brooks missed six tackles, made 21. Chikam missed four tackles and made six. Wakem was the worst of the dogs with three missed tackles out of 15. Meany with 136 supercoach points. Avarillo with 106. And Twile with 74. This was the worst performance this year I've seen by any team. Absolutely. Apart from maybe the game before from the Warriors. Nofa, Nofaluma jumping straight into Zaxini was the absolute epitome of the Tigers' performance in this game. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on and nobody really gave a fuck. And that was just the way the Tigers played this game. Yeah. Um, they... Just the fact that you jump straight into your own teammate and dead set KO him when you're jumping for a ball, when he's standing underneath it, I don't know what's going on there. But, uh... It's pretty simple. We don't need to spend long this game because I don't want to. But um, there's no professional pride. There was no intent to even salvage it in this game. No one was up for it. No one gave a shit. So whether that's because no one gives a shit about the coach, whether that's because they're not good enough to give a shit, whether that's because they're done with it and want to go home, whether it's all three, I don't know. But none mm-hmm. of them gave a shit. Uh, I can't think of a player I even want to slide there at. Maybe or Tukumanu. Oh, there was three. It was Tukumanu, Twal, Little and Stefano. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. The rest of them, I would sit down and say, go and look elsewhere because they were all embarrassing. Um, and they showed Including Jock Madden. <laughs> he wasn't great, <laughs> no, he wasn't, but it's hard great, to be great yeah. in that situation. Um, and you know, I don't want to wrap the Bulldogs, but you know, Nick Meany farewelled the club in style. Good on him. You know, Absolutely. ran through some lazy mm-hmm. offenders and ran fast. Uh, the Fords owned them. <laughs> you know, they fucking beat up a team didn't want to be there. I don't know what else you can say about the game. And, oh mate, you have to say well done to the dogs. They've been absolutely tortured for the entire season, and they took it out on the Tigers that didn't want to be there in this game. Uh, first time this year that they actually looked like they had a backline that could do anything. Um, Jackson actually had a bit of help. Hetherington and Napo decided to, that they were going to turn up because they saw a few cracks. They could run over a few blokes that didn't give a shit, so they started running over a few people. He did look happy, Josh Jackson. First at times, <laughs> and also, and I did like with ten minutes ago when they're up by thirty, and he's given him a rev up, saying, "Come on, let's not throw this away." Good on him. Averillo and Meany were were great. Um, they were the best players on the field. Shoop and Hopper were pretty good. Shoop's actually a fine for the Bulldogs. He looks like he could be a pretty good center coming through um, from now on. But what did you take out of it, Ollie? I hope they back uh, Shoop uh, next year with yeah, a bit more firepower. Too. Sorry. I'll... Yeah, I think, jo- well, Josh Jackson, uh, again, he should be thrown in uh, the group with Adam Fennell Blake and Luke Thompson as well, I should say, because he's been showing up every week. And he, it's good to see him show up in a dominant performance for the Bulldogs as well. I'm sure uh, Luke Thompson was sitting on the sideline and just shed a single tear um, watching this one and was thinking, man, I'm glad I signed that contract with the Tigers in Invisible Ink. Um, and <laughs> uh, again, Manny is well signing off in style. He will be... I think a very valuable player for Melbourne next year is that second string fullback, winger, centre. Um, and I think he's had a, a decent season as well. He's, I'd say he's probably been the Bulldogs' best back. Yeah, when he's been given a go. Yeah, yeah I, I'd say so. But yeah, uh, Dylan Harper also signing off in style. The only team I'm really hearing him link to is Brisbane because they want an experienced forward in their pack as well. So um, I think it's either him or Ryan James there they're going to pursue um 
but that, that was it was a great performance from him and from Hebrington as well. He got to show his talent that he had at Penrith, that he had at the Warriors for that stint last year yeah, as well, except he didn't take anyone's head off. So thumbs up there. Um, a great performance for the Bulldogs. Look, they can build on this next year. Obviously, we won't go too much into it because they're the same recovering either next week or the week after. I forget exactly when um, we're doing it already. Um, silly me. But... Um, uh, yeah, an all-round good performance from the Bulldogs, and it was nice to see. Obviously, against your Tigers, Daggy, it's not a knock on them or anything, but it's actually good to see the Bulldogs have a an all-round good performance this year because even when they've won games this year, it's usually being your Jackson or your Thompson or sometimes Adam Elliott sort of standing up and having a, a really good performance and carrying at least a couple of blokes. But I thought every Bulldogs player out there can hold their head up high with that performance. Good on him. Uh, <laughs> someone else picked some 3 2 ones here. Avrilo, Meany, and Jackson. Okay, fine with that. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, some breaking news here is that, oh, we forgot to mention at the start of the show, Moses Suli signing oh, yeah. with the Dragons. Uh, 1.7 across, 1.7 mil across three years. And uh, just popping up now, Ethan Bullymore has gone to Manly. Yeah, she said it's a good mm-hmm. pickup. I think, I think he's a talented <laughs> footballer, three years at Manly. Uh, and just a bit of breaking news late in the show. Pop plan of the week. Uh, obviously, we can all table the Tigers as red, so I'm going to put uh, Ford Matthew <laughs> Thomas Moylan as pop plan of the week. Uh, what a terrible, terrible display. Barney, what are you going to say? Yeah, I, I thought someone else would take him, so I've actually gone se- semi Valame. As I mentioned in the review of the game, that's one of the worst performances I've seen from anyone. I think he just got in his own head, to be honest. And if you'd put a big terracotta pot plant on the sideline, it would have done a better defensive job than Semi Vellamy did in this game. <laughs> would have caught something, anyway. <laughs> Ollie? Uh, I'm going to pot plant the beautiful, wonderful, they're pretty much my second favourite team now, the Warriors, because they were crap and they did nothing. They just let the onslaught happen. I'm a bit worried that the Titans might have actually paid them off before the game to let them absolutely flog them so they can make oh, the a hey, question. Question now, uh, without notice, as I want to do. Now, Reese Walsh has been exposed for the uh, four months he's been in first grade. Mm-hmm. Who are you more excited about next year? Reese Walsh, uh, Jaden Campbell, Tyrell Sloan? Yeah, the other two. Definitely. You reckon um, they've got some more upside now? Well, I think yeah, it's also because we, we've seen a bit less of Sloan and Campbell as well. Yeah, and there's always that, when I say exposed, there's always that yeah. sort of, you don't know what's up the sleeve. The only advantage for Walsh is that he's got um, Sean Johnson coming in, who will provide him a lot more opportunities than the Harbs have given him this year. So he, he won't have to do it all himself. But, um, yeah, Probably out of those, yeah, I think Jaden Campbell, to be honest, but Sloan, I wouldn't, I'd say, is pretty close to him. Those three will be serious football players in the next couple of years coming from now. Yep. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm pot planting the Warriors, but I, I just want to give a special pot plant to my three favourite players, really, Jastavanger, uh, Matthew Lodge, and Kane Evans, because they're not only pot plants, they're pot plants that have been thrown at the back of your head. So, um, a big thank you to them for their efforts on the weekend too. Well, that gets me into my slap because I'm going to slap the three punchy warriors that just decided. That they, I'll double down. I'm giving uh, I'm giving at least Kate Evans a slap because it's twice in two weeks. They're about pot plants thrown at the side of their head. That's a pot plant's been thrown at the wall and all the soil's 
run down the <laughs> back fence. But uh, carry on, Barney, because I'm just going to second what you're going to say. No, oh, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. The blokes um, didn't want to be there to begin with, and it's just the epitome of being a sore loser. They got behind, they were getting dominated, so they started throwing punches. Like, yep. it's just stupidity. Well, I'll keep the trend going because uh, Barney, you've slapped all three. Uh, Daggy, you, I was about to call you Barney again for whatever reason. <laughs> Daggy, you've. No uh, <laughs> you, you've um you've slapped Kane Evans. I'm gonna slap Jazz Tavanga just because of the reason he got Cindy. He came running from about 50 meters out and absolutely poleaxed Philip Sammy for no reason whatsoever <laughs> and got himself Cindy. He didn't need to do that. The the Shamoz was already going on. That's where it all started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's a massive peanut place. So props to him and I, I think he's lucky um that Kane Evans did punch Jared Wallace a couple of minutes after otherwise I think we'd all be talking about how stupid Justin Vanger was uh, running the length of the field just to take out Philip Sammy uh, and let's finish on a good one you salute Oliver I I'm going to give a, a, a similar type of salute that I gave last week I'm going to salute Alex Glenn because I don't think we've spoken about him too much and he has retired I've, I've obviously got to salute my Titans as well for getting to the finals but a special salute uh, to Alex Glenn as well signing off for his career. I don't think there are any other retiring players who actually played this week. So he's the only one that nah, comes to mind. Nah, so. but he's back next week. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Well, um, Alex then, yeah, signed off on his NRL career and um, well, his rugby league career. So um, good on him and I hope I wish him the best in his future endeavours. I'm saluting the Bulldogs. I have to do it. <laughs> it's their best win in, what, three or four years, realistically. Fair They're right. absolutely dominant from start to finish. So, well done, the Bulldogs. I'm going to finish the way we started the season. I'm going to salute Brian Tuo. First hat-trick, sensational winger, best winger in the game. Great to see him get his rewards this year. So, let's finish on that fantastic note. And we'll be back very shortly with the preview show. Mm-hmm.